Our next passage of Scripture comes from the Acts of the Apostles. I'll be reading from the 16th chapter, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We sat, set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. You ever find yourself reading strange things? Like this week, I read something from Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> but what was interesting about that story uh, was the power in that story. So, according to Ripley's Believe It or Not, in 1669, uh, a great raging storm was hitting the coastline of England. And Runswick, England was a village on the coastline. And while those storms were raging, while the, the waves were pounding the coastline, the entire village was swept into the sea. So can you imagine the power of those storms? But here's what made Ripley's believe it or not. Not a single life was lost in that village. Well, it happens that the villagers were attending a funeral in another town when their village was swept into the sea, and so they all survived. Now, you might ask yourself if that was a coincidence or maybe God's providence. In other words, was God's hand in that making it providential, or was it coincidental that they all just happened to be at a nearby town safe when their village was wiped into the sea. So this is one of those kind of uh, lifelong questions that people ask when things happen to them. Is it coincidental or providential? I think a lot of us have weird experiences or different kinds of experiences or experiences that sometimes maybe we're just not sure we ought to share with someone else. Maybe, maybe they'll think that we've gone off the deep end or, or, or we're afraid of how to couch a particular story. But I think there's also people who can't wait to say, look, God's hand was all over this. This is the only way I can explain this. But you know, with a lot of things in life, people want to be right, and they want other people to be wrong. So we ask the question, providential, coincidental? Think about that in your life. I can speak to an experience I had. 
I was uh, working as a police officer, and so not working of the normal hours that most people work. I was off on a, in the middle of a week. Uh, I was actually uh, in the church office in the church that uh, my family were members at. Uh, there was a funeral to be planned, and a former pastor was coming back to help uh, uh, serve at that funeral service. And so I told the pastor of the church, I'll answer the church phones while you all meet to discuss the plans of this funeral. And this former pastor of, of mine walked through the door, and he looked at me at the, at the desk, and he said, you want to talk to me, don't you? Well, you know, the surface part of my brain was like, well, no, I don't want to talk to you. But in my heart, I had this burning desire, and it was a desire about my call to ministry. And so after the two pastors met and discussed the funeral, the pastor who had come back, he and I did visit, and he, he knew what was on my heart somehow. Coincidental? Providential. I'd like to think it was providential. I'd like to think that that pastor somehow had, 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 had received some sort of a communication from the Holy Spirit that this, uh, this person uh, was perhaps exploring the call to ordain ministry and that all it was going to take was just a few moments to be a part of a, a confirming kind of conversation. But we all have experiences like that. Sometimes we suppress them as if we don't want to deal with them and then other times, as I said before, we just can't wait to tell other people. Today's text, this passage of Acts of the Apostles that I read to you, it needs a little bit of setup. Uh, the chapters leading up to where I began reading were, were stories about how Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, how he was working to spread uh, the good news of Jesus Christ with Jewish Christians. He, he, was, he was spreading what Jesus had done, what Jesus was continuing to do. He was working very diligently to help people come to believe in Jesus Christ. And so now Paul is getting some of the, uh, the, the limelight, if you will. Paul is the one in focus. And, and Paul, if you recall your biblical history, has a different slant. Paul is the one who thought the, the message of Jesus Christ was for all people, not just Jews, not just to help Jewish Christians emerge as more faithful Christ followers, but, but for everybody. And that's how the majority of us, uh, uh, us that are not of Jewish background, descent, teaching, upbringing, that's how the rest of us are grafted into this vine of faith, this, this belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the living Word of God, the, the, the bread of life. That's how we are invited to come to know Jesus. So we have this story of these two, if you will, competing kinds of apostles, Peter, focusing on Jewish Christians and, and Jews, trying to convert them to Christianity, and now Paul. And what has happened prior to this experience is, is they've had a council. They've had a, a meeting in Jerusalem. They met at headquarters. They, they needed to get this, this question resolved so that everybody could be on board. Inclusive of all people or exclusive? And so the elders met in Jerusalem, and they decided that what Jesus had done was to invite all people to be inclusive. And Peter agreed, and Paul agreed. Paul had set out to, to go tell the missionary churches that he had founded about the decision the Jerusalem Council had reached, that, that it wasn't just Jewish Christians that were a part of this, this new movement, this experience in Jesus. It was for all people to be an inclusive church with not having barriers to people to come to faith. 
So Paul has, has started out on his second missionary journey, if you will, and we're told in this text that he has a dream, that this man from Macedonia appears to him. And all of a sudden, Luke, who's credited for being the author of the Acts of the Apostles as he is with the Gospel according to Luke, Luke changes from the kind of uh, a third person talking about Peter and Paul, and he says, we, we now, Luke is on board, he's part of the missionary team, if you will, that is going to go to Macedonia. Why? Not because they were throwing darts at a map, trying to figure out where they would go next, but in a dream they believe God came to Paul, and Paul said, I think this is a message from God, and, and, and we're needed in Macedonia. You see, Paul had been trying to, in Paul's own estimation, he thought he needed to spread the word of God in Asia Minor. And now it looks like God wanted them to go to Europe instead. Nice European trip, right? Doesn't Paul enjoy all of his trips? Lives in the luxury hotels? Travels, you know, in, in extreme luxury? No, Paul, this messenger of God, is invited to come to Macedonia. So they leave Troas and they wind up in Philippi, which is a, an important city in the province of Macedonia. And it's in Philippi uh, that we have this experience with Lydia. Now, it seems to me that there must not have been a synagogue in Philippi because all of the other uh, stories we hear about the Apostle Paul, as soon as he gets to town, he wants to go to a synagogue. He, he wants to go to a people who, who have a faith grounded in the one true God. Uh, so he, he likes to hit synagogues first, but here in Philippi, there doesn't seem to be one. Uh, so he looks for a place of prayer. Now, it's interesting that, that just on the outskirts of Philippi is the river. In a bend of the river, there's like a, nat a natural amphitheater. And so voices can be heard. It's, it's a great setting, it appears, uh, for messages or, 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 or things to be orated. Uh, and so uh, uh, Paul and his followers, that's where they're going to go for prayer. They actually go under a, a, a Roman arch. And it's believed that this Roman arch in the area is is a message. In other words, it prohibits anybody from worshiping gods other than the Roman gods. Well, it doesn't scare Paul off, and it doesn't apparently scare Lydia off, but we're told Lydia is a God-fearer. Now, what does a God-fearer mean in Scripture? It, it, it seems to mean that, there, that, that somebody who is a God-fearer hasn't come to a full understanding of who Jesus is as the Son of God that Jesus has laid down his life, that he's resurrected, and that he brings true life into our lives, this joy of being a Christ follower. But it does mean that Lydia and other God-fearers seem to have some sort of a foundational knowledge about God, so much so that they're willing to worship this God that they don't know much about. But God is significant to them. And as Paul and his group get into this this place where discussions can be had, where, where messages can be proclaimed, it seems that Lydia and the group of people that she is with are listening to Paul. Listening to Paul tell the stories of Jesus. And they begin to experience a deepening kind of movement. So much so, if you will, that Lydia and her entire household are baptized. They are baptized into the body of Christ by Paul and his team. And as a result, Lydia, who seems to be a woman of, of great respect and, and value, at least from a financial standpoint, who's capable of inviting these evangelists to come to her home, invites them to come into her home. Now, I like to think of Lydia as a successful businesswoman. 
You know, if we were to invite Lydia to come before us today, what do you think, how do you think Lydia would look? I think she'd look very professional. You know, she would be a CEO of a, of a corporation. She, she might be wearing a very nice suit. Uh, she'd probably be carrying a, 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 a briefcase or a satchel that carried important documents. She would certainly have a smartphone where she could stay in contact with her business associates, make good business investments, be at hand to, to call on customers. I just think Lydia... This God-fearer would have been that kind of a person. You see, it, it was, it's not easy to get the color purple. Did you pick up on that in the scripture that, that she was a, a cloth merchant of, of purple? Do you know what, how they got purple back in the day? It was from shellfish. Thousands of crustaceans were, were squeezed, if you will, to get this juice out of them. Thousands of crustaceans to get one yard of purple cloth. It was very labor-intensive, not only to get the shellfish, but then to extract the juice from them to make this cloth. And Lydia, we are told, was successful at it. We don't know if she uh, was a divorcee. We don't know if she was a, 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 a single... Well, we believe she was a single parent because she's got a household. But she is this remarkable woman who fears God. And when hearing the stories of Jesus, wants to have her entire household children... Anybody living in her household, her servants, everybody was baptized because she is the head of the household. So here we have this story of this woman of faith. What do you think Lydia would say if she was asked the question, Lydia, providence or coincidence? What do you think Lydia would say? I would like to say that she would say it's providential. Here I just had this kind of basic understanding that there was one true God and, and I respect that God, and I try to worship that God, even when I don't know fully who this God is. And, and somehow this, this group of evangelists that come into this big city of Philippi found their way to this place where, where myself and other women were praying, and we hear the stories of Jesus. I think Lydia would have said, this is God's hand, and this is providential. I think Paul might have suggested that also that they were brought together for a purpose. Because you see, Lydia goes on to be an important part of the early church. Perhaps with her finances, yes, but also with her faith experience. Her willingness to share the stories of Jesus and how she came to know this Jesus and how she's willing to share that story with others. Steve Land, Dr. Steve Land, tells a story of a a seminary student. This story took place in World War II. This young man was studying to be a, a military chaplain as the war uh, was going on. And after graduating, uh, uh, Steve Land says this, this seminary graduate was sent uh, to, the, uh, to the European Theater of Action. And he would later say, you know, I did a lot of things that I was never trained to do. Some of us can say that. We've, we've been in jobs where they said, well, you're going to do this, and you had no experience in it. Some of us were trained to do something, especially if you're the military, and you come out with a, uh, with a particular skill set, and they send you somewhere else where that skill set is worthless at the time. You know, we, we probably all can, can acknowledge what this young seminarian was experiencing, especially in combat. And he said, you know, day after day, I tried to minister to, to the dead and to the dying, to, to be there for those that had passed away, if it was last rites, to administer the last. He said, I was never trained for that. They, they taught theology and they, they did other things in seminary. But he said, you know, when I was in seminary, I was an introvert. 
And he said, while, while some of the other people wanted to go out and, and socialize and see a movie or do things, he said, I, I just wanted to stay at home, stay in the barracks. And he found a little uh, book, and it was entitled How to Speak Russian. And he said, they'd go out and drink coffee, socialize. I'd learn how to speak Russian. And he said, I laid there in my bedroll months later, uh, the war going on around me, just wondering, what was God calling me to do? What, what does God want from me? I've, I've gone to seminary. I, ha I have a degree. I'm, I, I'm doing things that I was never trained to do, but what does God want me to do? And he said, one night, some men from the unit he was assigned to ran to, to his place where his bedroll was, was out on the ground, and he said, you know, would you come with us? We have, a, we have somebody who, who is just frantic, and we can't understand them. And, and they got to where this wounded soldier was laying, and it quickly dawned on this young uh, seminary graduate that he was speaking Russian. And he said he knelt down, and, and, and in his own broken Russian, he offered words of comfort and tried to pray with this wounded Russian soldier. He said he prayed with him throughout the night until this soldier passed away. He said he went back to his bedroll and tried to get some sleep, and as he was looking up at the stars, he said, perhaps reading that little book on how to speak Russian was part of God's plan. God's hand may have been in this. God may have wanted me to do that and then to wonder all these days in between, what purpose do I have? So friends, maybe, maybe some of us here today are in that place. Maybe some of us are saying, what is God saying to me? What is, what is God calling me to do? Some of us may have come up with some answers. Some of us are, are figuring things out. Some of us are, are trusting, responding. You see, Paul didn't have an easy life, did he? Can you think of all the things that happened to Paul as he tried to be faithful to God? You know, I told you he thought he was being called to go to Asia, and the Scripture tells us time and time again, no, the Holy Spirit said, nope, you don't need to go to Asia. Nope, you don't need to go. They were thwarted from going where Paul thought God wanted them to go. And it was in this call, if you will, this, this vision, this dream, this man from Macedonia appears to Paul and he says, look, come to Macedonia, we need you here. And just so happened that when they're in Philippi, they encounter Lydia, another woman from Thyatira. Paul had been shipwrecked, Paul had been snake bit, Paul had been jailed, Paul had had done any number of things as he traveled the rim of the Mediterranean Sea area trying to be faithful. But see, friends, that's what he was doing. He was trying to be faithful. He was acting in faith, listening to where God might be pointing him next. And so when the Holy Spirit allowed them to go to Philippi, when the Holy Spirit allowed them to go to Macedonia, he found women who needed to hear the stories of Jesus. And maybe it was in Lydia's sharing with them Maybe it was in her experience, if she had been a widow, maybe it was in the experience of losing a, a loved one. Maybe it was in the experience of the struggles of a single mother who needs to run a business, of how to raise children. Maybe it was those everyday experiences that you and I are a part of that Paul might have come to the same conclusion. This is providential. God brought us together. But you see, they both were willing to share are you willing to share with what God is doing in your life or has done? 
Are you a person who has a remarkable story of faith that you might be willing to share? Are you a person who can acknowledge that you have been broken down at one point in time and now, by the grace of God, you are responding to that grace that God has given you, that God continues to pour into your life? Perhaps you have a story about how you are knowing this Jesus, this Christ, and maybe God is calling you to share that story with someone else so that they might too come to know Jesus who is the Christ. Providence or coincidence? Are you here this morning out of providence or coincidence? Did God bring us together so that we might commune in the fellowship of the risen Christ and the communion of the saints as we celebrate around the table today? I'll leave that question with you. Just another coincidence? Or might God's hand be bringing us together so that we might be sent out? In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.